This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Is it Saturday already? Holy cow. I was thinking going on to the air today that this is the first program back since Thanksgiving. It seems like Thanksgiving was so long ago already, but yet it's been a week already. Hopefully you had a wonderful Thanksgiving celebration, Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving week back after the holiday with your turkey tryptophan hangover. I know I did. We <laughs> we had a couple turkeys at the house with some friends and family that came over and did our thing, and we had two turkeys at the house. We ate all of it by like Sunday or Monday. So well, I take that back. We have a little bit left. Mrs. Voice of Reason making turkey enchiladas this weekend. So I am pretty excited about that. So the turkey continues going into December. Hey, welcome into Candace Talk. It's it right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Big show. Hopefully you had a great week uh, trying to get back into the routine of things. And we have a lot we need to cover today. Hour number two, we have State Representative Blake Carpenter. We I don't know if you're aware or not. Last week, of course, it had to happen on the holiday week, so we weren't necessarily paying attention to it. Last week was a special session of the state legislature. We passed some bills trying to stop some of the COVID-19 vaccine mandates here in the state. So we'll talk about that and we'll get the details of exactly what that bill did last week. Now, get this. It was a one-day session. They had the bill written, they passed it, and Governor Kelly signed it the week of as well. So we didn't even have to fight that. So that's good news, and we'll get uh, all the details from Blake Carpenter coming up in hour number two. Also, we sat down with State uh, State Candace Attorney General Derek Schmidt, and we'll play that interview in hour number two as well. So, a lot to get to there. Always open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Not just here in the state of Kansas, but all over the place. You can order online at philscoins.com. You can go and check them out. They will be open here in about 25 minutes until 2.30 this afternoon at 9344 West Central Avenue. And as we do every couple of weeks here, got to have him back in the studio with us here. The man himself from Phil's Coins, Mr. Phil Martinez. Phil, happy Saturday to you. Happy Saturday to you. Yeah, it's always good to get you in studio. I always get good response. Everybody enjoys your take on the wild issues of the day. <laughs> God, don't ask me why. Uh, hey, they they enjoy it, and I know that uh, uh, they enjoy hearing your perspective on a lot of this stuff. But before we talk about some of the fun issues, of course, we got to talk about these markets. I have been following the economy, obviously, very closely. Jobs rate is terrible. Like, we're not even getting any new jobs. Unemployment rate's going down slightly because people are just, like, not even trying to apply for that anymore. The inflation's still going up right now. Spending's out of control. The only safe haven we have is to try and get something tangible like gold and silver because the value of the dollar continues to decline every single day. Um, I am sorry, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it it is... I mean, I'm, I've never heard so many people getting rid of 401ks, IRAs, passbook savings. Yeah. Got my money in the bank, ain't making nothing. I'm going to put it in <laughs> silver and gold. Maybe I'll make something. So it's a, it's a, it's where these times are crazy. Like, none I've, I mean, I've seen some crazy times, but nothing quite like it is right now. Yeah. Never, never like this. Now, the price is still in a buying mode right now, or is it getting to the point where people are holding off from buying? No. Silver. Silver actually dropped. Don't God don't ask me why. <laughs> I mean, the other day it was at twenty two twenty, and we actually thought it might drop into twenty one. Sure, 
but then it turned around and jumped up 40 cents. Wow. So, uh, but it's still way, way, way undervalued. It's a buyer's market at this point. Uh, if we're having any problem with anything, it's people don't understand the premiums. Sure. And, uh, you know, if you, I mean, you know, we carry, God, the amount of silver we carry is ungodly amount. And the other day we were literally out. I was down to 400 ounces. And the only reason I had 400 ounces is because I loaned the company 1,500 ounces of my personal silver. Sure. Or we would have sold out. And I got, and I carry 26,000 ounces of silver in stock or in inventory on or on order. Basis. And we went from having 26,000 ounces in stock to nothing. Wow. And so, and I, I mean, I just can't get it in fast enough. So I've went to my supplier. My supplier went to his supplier. They're drop shipping me huge amounts. We got. So you just cutting out that middleman going directly to pretty soon. I'm going to see the news that Phil's uh, Phil Martinez is actually going directly to like the, the digging sites out, you know, wherever they're at, just getting it directly from there. Well, my supplier said as big as we are and as much as we buy that technically he have no problem giving us his supplier. Yeah. And then we could just order it directly from his supplier. And we considered that, but there, but the, he's working on such small margins. Now we decided that, at least there's somebody else in between, plus the fact that he still takes care of our gold, some, a lot of our gold needs too. Sure. So we didn't do that. But uh, the other day, we, uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday, was last Tuesday? Tuesday before, we got 5,000 ounces of silver on Tuesday, 5,000 ounces of silver on Wednesday, and 5,000 ounces worth of silver on Thursday. Wow. And then this Tuesday, we got 11,000 ounces. So I'm back up to, I only, I, I'm up to, about 15,000, 16,000 ounces, which is still way down from where I ought to be. I got about 10,000 ounces on order. Now, with the majority of people buying, are there people coming in and selling at the same time? Very little. Very little. I Hanging mean, on to it. Yeah, I mean, we, we bought a little bit the other day, but I mean, you know, I have people ask me how come I, you know, why I'm, my prices are high. Well, they go out there. I had a guy come in the other day from uh, Abilene. Sure. And he said he'd been buying from this company for years, and we're cheaper than him. He said, we have some of the cheapest silver based on everything else that there is in the country, that we are, our prices are very competitive. And that's Well, I can imagine with how much volume that you have going in and out. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're pushing it out at such a quick rate that, I mean, it's really just to get it in the hands of individuals. Well, yeah. I mean, the other day I finally had I got almost all my safes full. And the company owes me fifteen hundred ounces. Yeah. So I've got fifteen hundred ounces on a dolly to take out to my car when I go home that evening. And that was about two thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> and by and by five and by and by four thirty, we'd sold all the fifteen hundred ounces off the dolly and I never did reload it to get any home. So I still haven't got my silver back home yet that I loaned the company. So wow. It's crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. Now, as you mentioned, the price for silver went down. You were anticipating by the end of the year that it was going to jump up pretty drastically. You've said over the last couple of years that potentially we could see $60, $70, $80 silver. I, predi I predicted we'd see 40, $40 to $60 silver this by December of this year. Yeah. And, it's, and, and then it dropped still off and it's just not there. But. What is keeping the price down? As you mentioned, I mean, I know we've talked before about like short sales from banks and how they have a lot of it. And that's, you know, it's been kind of a battle with them on how they've kind of suppressed the market where it's unnecessary. But is that still the case or what is causing the price to still be so low? Well, supposedly Chase Stanley Morgan's all, all in long. Interesting. And everything I read says that all the banks out there can't muster enough negative to offset what they're doing positive and they should they shouldn't even be able to hold the markets down. 
but technically a lot of the bullion markets are also affected by the, 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 the dollar. Sure. In other words, I mean, it's one of those things that as far as I'm concerned, the dollar's trash. I mean, the dollar yeah, isn't worth down. anything. Yeah. But if you compare our dollar to everything else out there, we're still the diamond in the rough. <laughs> and, and, and it's crazy. I mean, for how we, much that we spend, every other country yeah. is still doing the same thing. Well, I mean, you know, China's one's in trouble and, and uh, everybody else's money's in trouble. Yeah. And so even though they're in trouble and, and they're in crap, our crappy dollar still looks better than theirs. And so they look at how it goes up against the one and the pound and everything else and the sterling and the dollar. And when the dollar goes up, precious metals go down. So weird, but, but it's, but you know, you just, but you're, you just can't keep printing the money. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, Biden was going to raise the taxes on the wealthy. And I was reading, my wife was reading something the other day that Biden, if you make over a million dollars, give him a $60,000 tax break. Mm-hmm. Now here's a president going to tax the rich to give to the wealthy, but yet he's given, he's still giving tax, tax breaks. breaks to the wealthy. So what I'm trying to tell everybody is you need to wake up poor people because you're going to get those taxes instead of the you're going to pay the taxes. Yeah, as much as they try to say the rich people are holding out and that that would solve all these crises, we need to tax them, so on and so forth, the bulk of the country is still the middle class. And when you even do a slight tax increase on the middle class, that is a massive amount of money coming into the federal government. And they recognize that. So while they try to demonize the quote-unquote upper class, they're still taking care of their special interests. We're the ones taking the brunt of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these people, I mean, you know, and unfortunately, the people in Congress are the ones passing these bills, but yet at the same time, they're the ones reaping all the benefits. They're the ones that have all the money. Shocker. So, I mean, you know, how, I mean, how, how do you have a $100,000 a year job and be worth be, be worth $100 million? Explain that to me, people. Please tell us how to be environmentally friendly when you have three different private jets. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. So that's, that's really the mindset that we're dealing with here. Uh, so... Do they just looking at trends and I'm sure you get news from this, but celebrities, the big people, the elites, the ones that have the millions and millions and millions of dollars, where are they putting their money? Because all we hear in the news is that they're actually putting their money in cryptocurrencies. But do you know of some of the higher ups, not just the banks or establishments, but the actual individuals? Are they putting money into into gold and silver as well? Do you know? I don't know. That would be interesting. I I have I have a dealer friend out of uh, Kansas City. And I know he was shipping hundreds of thousands of dollars of silver years ago to some baseball player in New York. Hmm. I don't remember what the guy's name was, but he he, he would wait till he had like 10, 15, 20 boxes and then just ship 20 box, 2,500 count boxes all yeah. the time. It would be interesting to see a lot of the, the, the people that make the multi-million dollar contracts and all these, where they're putting their money. Because, I mean, now we're hearing the news that a lot of NFL players and basketball players are actually taking – a lot of their 40, 50, 60% of their salary that's coming in and putting it directly into cryptocurrency stuff, getting millions of dollars in crypto, which I don't know if that's the smartest thing or not, or if that's a good thing or not, but obviously they think it's going to go somewhere. So I, I find that interesting. Well, I mean, there's so many different cryptocurrencies out there. Yeah, which one are they doing? You're standing there looking at them, you know, it's, it's, it's I mean. I mean, I've made a little $500 on one. Uh, is it, what is it? Shiva coin that's like a millionth of a penny worth right yeah. now and i put 150 bucks in it and i made like 500 dollars. Oh, I mean, but know, it could go away just in an instant too absolutely i mean I'm, I'm sitting there watching all this stuff and i know that they're they're farming it yeah and i've seen them on tv where they go in and rent some old power plant or something and they redo it so they've got the water and the power and everything they set all this stuff up but when you can stand there and take computers 
and mine something out of thin air mm -hmm. and make it worth money. That's interesting. I don't understand that. If that was Nor the case, do I trust it. I mean, you know, I mean, wait, wait a minute here. Oh, right there. There's, I got a handful of air and a handful of air ought to be worth what? $25,000. Wow. <laughs> Man, there's $25,000 floating around over here. It's all over the place. So they, when they said that money doesn't grow on trees, they lied. Yeah. They lied. That's well, <laughs> technically it didn't grow on trees. They took the air that was going to go to the tree That's and right. stole it from them. That's and right. It into currency. To hell with the tree. We're taking it directly oh, from the source man. of the air. Yeah, I, I find it, it interesting. It's it's intriguing, yet I am very skeptical, and I don't necessarily trust it that it's going to be something stable. That's why, I mean, I just saw the news headline today that Bitcoin's down 17%. I mean, uh, when, when you have that type of crazy fluctuation, that scares me. Well, China and some of those places have outlawed it. Yeah, and they've even outlawed it. And then other countries have actually made it a... A, a national currency, currency. To where you can use it as well. So I, it's it's so back and forth. But again, that goes back to you with the tangible gold and silver, not just like having it on a piece of paper that you say you own this, about, but actually having the hard physical silver in your possession, that's going to be constant no matter what. Right. I mean, you know, people ask questions and I said, well, you know, we get into this barter society and everything else and, and they, they ask how it's going to work. And I said, well, I don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah. I said, I know that that's kind of what they did back during the Depression, but I said, you know, if you think about it, 100, 100 B.C., some guy with a bag of salt comes into Jerusalem with a bag of salt and a donkey. <laughs> he trades a bag of salt for a flask of wine, some carrots for his donkey, and a piece of meat to eat, yep. and he eats, and the donkey eats, and he drinks his wine. So how do they determine what that bag of salt was worth in relationship to what his carrots, his wine, and his meat was worth exactly. So, so they're you know they've been bartering silver and gold before Christ. Yep. So there's always going to be some kind of intrinsic value to silver and gold. And I think if we ever see runaway inflation, which you can see runaway inflation, in other words, twenty dollars will buy you five in ninety days could buy you five dollars worth of stuff. And I think that you're going to see that silver and gold, even the banks buy silver and gold in times of inflation because. Silver and gold keep up with inflation. Sure. So all of a sudden, a one ounce silver coin that was twenty bucks, and all of a sudden now it's still worth twenty bucks, but it will still buy you twenty dollars worth of product instead of that twenty dollar bill that'll buy you five dollars worth of product. Yeah, exactly. And at that point, everybody's going to be wanting to buy silver. Uh, right now, ninety percent of all the silver being mined is is being used straight into manufacturing. So there's very very little investment silver out there. Yeah. But, and, you know, and I tell people when I no longer can take the money they give me to buy more silver, I'm going to be trading for eggs and chickens. So. I was going to say you start trading for a cow or something. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's the way you do it. Let's take a break here. 21 minutes past the hour. It's Phil's, uh, Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. A great partner here with Candace Talk and KQAM Radio. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll have some fun and get your thoughts on some of the latest headlines out there and uh, see what's going on in the crazy world. We have a lot to get to today. Plus, I want to get your thoughts on some other big stories going on as well across the nation that's happened throughout this week at 316-721-8255. It's Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. past the hour welcome back in here to candace talk on the big talker kqam thanks for hanging out here on a saturday morning trying to get you up and moving for the weekend it's what we do here on the program 
We have a lot to talk about, a lot to get to, and I want to get all your thoughts on it. We're hanging out here with a few more minutes with Phil Martinez, Phil's Goins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For the buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. You can also purchase things online at philscoins.com. Now, real quickly, um, before we get off this topic with the gold and silver stuff, supply chain issues that we've had across the nation. Uh, a lot of the product not being able to get to stores, the truck drivers waiting on stuff being you know unloaded and undocked out of the cargo ships from China and everywhere else. Have you guys, not only do you go through a mass amount of volume of gold and silver, but have you had any issues with the supply chain problems getting product to you, or has that been pretty steady for you? I don't know. We Normally, we were getting silver pretty consistently. Uh, normally, I don't have all my silver loaded up in one company, but normally I have divided out between two or three or four companies. That way, sure. I don't have all my eggs in one basket, but this company's been so good to me price-wise, I can't afford not to. Stay with them. It, yeah. And they've always pretty well done what they said they were going to do. But, uh, yep. Uh, so you haven't we, had a whole lot of delayed stuff and, oh, it's on no, back order. Oh, well, it's the, the government's in. not building anything. The government started no. building stuff, and every time they sell us something, I mean, we bought proof sets the other day, and, and we, we put them, and I had, I put, I bought, I had the boy order me some extras. He didn't realize it, and I put them in a cabinet. Then we ran out, and the boy said, well, so we tried to order some more. Well, then out of nowhere, the government, they're not available. Yeah. Men's sets aren't available. The proof sets aren't available. Uh, there was no warnings. Uh, they did this to us last year. People, I've still got people walking in the shop going, you know, I didn't get my 2020 proof set. <laughs> well, I'd have to go talk to God to find you a 2020 proof set because there, there isn't any. And, and wow. you know, the government's not producing anything to speak of. Why? They just they say COVID and everything else. I mean. Of course. You know, I mean, the government came out the other day and said, well, you know, it's there's not a silver shortage. It's a planchet shortage. They can't get their planchets. Well, the company that builds a planchet buys silver, say spot minus 30 cents, puts it in a round form, makes a planchet for the government, sends it to the government at spot plus 30 cents. Sure. So they're making 60 cents for doing all the work. Okay, well, now they're having to pay a buck, buck and a half over spot. At one time, they were paying 2 and $3 over spot to get the silver. Right. Well, when you're paying $3 over, you can't sell it at 60 cents over without losing $2.40 on hundreds of thousands of planchets. So they quit supplying. So the government trying to tell you it's a planchet shortage, but the planchet shortage has been driven by the fact there is no silver and the premiums are high. Wow. And, and you know, so the government's they're going to sidestep the, the, the truth trying to t- – because they don't want you to understand that silver is a short commodity. Exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise, if people started buying, I think you're going to see silver, break, you know, I keep talking about breaking and running, but at some point, silver will break and run. And when it does, the big boys are not going to have enough control over it to stop it. And, I mean, you know, uh, Japan, we saw, somebody said they saw an article. I saw two guys saw the same article on TV. Japan's building a huge warehouse. Sure. Why are they building a warehouse? Uh, silver is too cheap. So when they get the warehouse built, they're going to fill it with silver, and then that way, in two to th- in, in three to five years, when they start building all these solar panels, they'll have the, they'll have the silver for the connections. So yeah, it's well, yeah, the fact that they use silver for just about everything now, between the computer chips and between cars and between solar panels, I mean, it's uh, it's there's such a high demand for it. Like you said, it's going to take off yeah. at some point. And are you going to have it actually prepared for you or well or not? We got about thirty seconds left here, but uh, Phil's coins ninety three forty four. Make sure and go and check those guys out right now. The hottest commodity that you have, just a basic silver round. Is that yes. like the biggest thing going out? Yes. They sell thousands a day. Thousands a day. Good golly. Well, go and check it out. You guys are about to open here in just a couple of minutes. We'll look forward to seeing you guys out there until 2.30. Uh, and then regular business hours all the next week. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it's almost Christmas time, though. 
So we'll get you in another time before Christmas. Yeah. So we'll do it. Phil Martinez, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Good to see you. You guys take care. Be safe. And all you people out there, God bless. Be, oh. be blessed. Always a pleasure. Bottom of the hour news. When we come back, open lines to you. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll kind of recap some events going on throughout the week nationally here in the state of Kansas and more. Plus, whatever else is on your mind, I want to hear how your Thanksgiving went as well. Lots to get to here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker, KQAM. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Now back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Saturday morning, trying to get you up and moving, doing the thing the way we do every single day. We appreciate you very much. Thanks again to Phil Martinez coming on the program. Always great to chat with him. Phil Martinez, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. You can find them online, philscoins.com. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. And then, I believe, close Sunday and Monday, back at it on Tuesday, regular business hours as well. Lots to get to today. We have State Representative Blake Carpenter. He'll be joining us to kick off hour number two. Big news out of the state of Kansas. State legislative session, a one-day session. Now, this is a trend setter. This was a record here for the state. For the first time ever, we ended up calling a special session not being called through the governor, but doing it through the legislature saying we need to do something here in regards to COVID-19 vaccine. So we're going to call our own special session without the governor's uh, being the one to actually call it. So first time that's ever happened in Kansas history, that means something. That means all the rallies. That means all the fighting. That means all the standing up. That means your loud voice that you've been making on vaccine mandates and the concerns of that worked because you called the session in in the legislators into a special session without the governor actually being the one doing it. You did that. You did that. Now we'll talk about the details coming up at the top of the hour. I'd like the bill. I don't think it went far enough, but it's a good start. It's a great way and something that at least we have because what it essentially does, it does not get rid of the vaccine mandates here in the state for businesses over 100 employees if OSHA ends up passing it, which right now it's being held up in court and shot down. It does not stop the federal contractors or subcontractors from being mandated to get it, although that is also being held up in court at the federal level right now as well. So with the courts actually holding those up, there is zero, and I repeat, zero mandate federally in any way, shape, or form that forces businesses to actually mandate vaccines. Which means if there is a company that's mandating the vaccine, it is solely because the business is choosing to do so on their own. There's not in any way, shape, or form uh, a mandate coming from the federal government right now telling businesses they have to get that COVID uh, vaccine for their consumers or for their employees. It's not happening. So if it's doing it now, then it's the business's own prerogative, in which case you need to make your statement about the business doing that as well. And you need to choose whether you want to support that business or not. So I find that kind of interesting. So we'll get Blake Carpenter on the line uh, coming up in hour number two here in about 20 minutes. Also, at the bottom of the hour, we sat down just a few days ago with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. He's involved heavily with a lot of the lawsuits going on with the COVID vaccines. So we'll talk with him about that here in just a bit as well. That's going on here in the state of Kansas. Nationally, we have a lot to talk about as well. 
that I want to get your thoughts on throughout this week. The Maxwell attorney, uh, the case, Jeffrey Epstein case, still lingering. Uh, funny enough, the media is not really talking about that, so I find that interesting. I don't know if you've heard uh, this story coming out of Michigan, though, that happened over the last few days with a school shooting. Unfortunate event, four children died. And the shooter was a student, seemed to be a bit of a psychopath, and I, or a sociopath, something uh, mentally not there because he apparently planned it for a while. He had no emotion about it in any way, shape, or form. Called the cops afterwards to let him know that it was done and that the, he could be arrested now. The catch in this entire scenario is that it sounds like the parents were involved with it as well. And they went off running. They were missing. Now, as of last night or this morning, they've been caught and they're being charged in slaughter. So that's an interesting story that I think we need to get your thoughts on as well. But it's open lines to you at 316-721-8255. We have lines all lit up across the board here. So let's go right to you. What do you say? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing? Well, uh, I know they got a lot of smoke screens out here uh, trying to hide some of the things that they're doing. But uh, one of the things I didn't like was the fact that when I looked at the Eagle newspaper here in Wichita, they said that the city of Wichita was going to spend, uh, I think, at least several million dollars, at least a million dollars worth of pickleball courts that their complex or something they were making. And yet in some parts of Wichita, we don't have grocery stores where <laughs> people can go shop and buy food. So that's a necessity to me. Now, pickleball court is okay if you have all those other things covered. If you have all the grocery stores in the areas where they need grocery stores, then maybe later on you can do that. But right now, they need to concentrate on the essentials and on the on the things that people need, not this crazy stuff that they got going on because it's necessary. And I don't understand why they're not doing that unless they just don't give a food. Yeah, I find that interesting again. And, and you're right. We need to prioritize on what our spending is. Now, I get the need to expand for entertainment centers to try and make it more enticing for people to come in. I don't know that a multi-million dollar pickleball complex at a Wichita park is going to be the thing that's going to do that. If there's anything that we need to invest in, you're right, like necessities for the community, for one, to make sure that we're stable and that we can actually grow in a happier place there. But if it is going to be in the entertainment center, I would much rather for us to invest in, I don't know, an aquarium or some other entertainment center where we can go. A pickleball court is cool, but I tell you, I'm not going to be going in and going to, hey, you know what? I want to go to the brand new pickleball court in the city of Wichita. I just don't see that as the enticing let's spend. You know what this is, uh, Scott? This is the money coming in from the COVID pandemic, the $75, $78 million coming into the city of Wichita, where they're saying, gee, we have all this money now. What do we do with it? And they're just trying to find random ways to spend it, and this is what they're spending it on. Well, that's a shame because, like I say, that tells me that, some of these people need to uh, find a new occupation. In other words, they need to be voted out of office. I mean, a whole lot of people. Anybody who went along with this and didn't uh, see the needs of the community, they need to be voted out of office. Yeah. Again, I mean, I'm right there with you. We need to invest in some stuff with the community. Now, when it comes to grocery stores and stuff, what we need to really do is get the government the hell out of the way, stop the regulations and the red tape and let, you know, private businesses do what they do best, because that way the prices can be way lower and more efficient and things can actually get done. So government really just needs to get out of the way. So 
uh, you're right. We need to invest in the community. We need to make sure the city's actually running smoothly, which we're moving in the right direction in some areas. And I will, I will give them that. We're doing some good stuff. But at the same time, a $3 million pickleplex in the, uh, in, in the Wichita Park to do tournaments with, they say, oh, it's going to bring in this tourism money. It's going to do this. I mean, come on, man. Like, we could bring in two. Let, could- let me say this. Let me say this that United Grocers, they put up grocery stores for $40,000. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than yeah. a pickleball court. Yeah, $3 million pickleball court. Scott, I'm right there with you. I agree with you on that one. I, I laugh when we. When government gets massive amounts of money, and we're talking city, we're talking county, we're talking state, we're talking the federal government. Whenever they get massive amounts of money, they find really absurd, stupid ways to actually spend it. Look at the infrastructure bill at the federal level. We had $2 trillion in, in a federal infrastructure bill. When when you look at actual what infrastructure really, truly, honestly is, roads, bridges, and highways, it is not rural broadband. It is not, uh, it, it is not uh, environmental stuff and trying to rebuild buildings. Infrastructures, roads, bridges, and highways. That alone could be $400 million that was used by additional money from COVID-19 pandemic money that they set aside that they didn't use, that could have been paid off, and we wouldn't have to worry about this ridiculous $2 trillion bill. But instead, they find money, and they find ridiculous ways to use that. Scott, I appreciate the phone call, my friend. It's a great point, and I'm right there with you. A pickleball complex. Really? $3 million for the city of Wichita. I think we're just trying to find random ways to spend money now. Now, I will give them this, is that we're at least not working on expanding government with this money. Because when this money runs out, then we would have to raise taxes and raise some ridiculous funds just to maintain the size of government by growing it. So at least we're not necessarily growing it. It's under the Department of uh, Tourism and Recreations and Parks now. So I guess we have another complex to maintain a little bit, but a little unnecessary. Just throwing it out there. Unless, I don't know, unless there's this massive pickleball need. I mean, we already have like, what, eight or ten different golf courses in this city in Wichita. Why not just throw pickleball in there? Let's have a pickleball complex so we can maintain that and we can start doing tournaments. Give me a break. 316-728-8255. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy. It's Sean. Sean, how are you, sir? Happy Saturday. Hey, happy Saturday. Well, I'm calling everybody I know to say goodbye. You're, uh, you're saying goodbye. Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know. Well, I don't know if you heard, but the uh, Omicron virus is in town. Ah, uh, yeah, well, that is true. Yep. We're all going to die. Yeah, we, we are going to die. Now, because it's so transmissible. Now, again, I mean, you understand basic viruses that when they mutate and they become more transmissible, they usually become less deadly. This one's less deadly than the Delta variant from what we found so far. But by golly, it is here. So now we need to do another force on masks and social distancing and locking things down and your essential businesses that aren't essential, but they're essential, but not really in the eyes of the government. But, yeah, we just need to lock everything down. We're probably all going to die. You know, I was uh, I was thinking Probably the reason why, because um, I heard a doctor tell this to Sean Hannity, but probably the reason why I didn't uh, uh, get the uh, the Wuhan flu as bad as I did was because uh, back in January of '09, <laughs> I got the swine flu. Mm. Man, you don't want that, dude. Oh, my God. I oh, have heard man. that one's brutal, yeah. It was unreal, the pain I was in. I thought I was going to die. Literally, man. I think the, the only thing that saved my life was the man upstairs and, and uh, some potent antibiotics. And if I hadn't <laughs> got to the hospital when I did, I, 
that probably wouldn't work. But yeah. uh, well, I'm glad you're all right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, look, these viruses, as you know, I mean, these viruses come and go. The flu comes and go. And now that this virus, this this COVID-19 and all its different variants, now that it's airborne, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to be eradicated. It's not going to die off with vaccines. In fact, Omicron is completely uh, immune to the vaccines because it mutated due to uh, vaccines, which is what causes a lot of mutations and different viruses for them to stay uh, alive and actually survive. They have to mutate in order to stay alive to work with them. So it's it, I try to relate it as a hacker on the computer. You can put up firewalls. You can put up a nice little firewall. You can put up the different blocks. You can put up the antivirus on your computer. Viruses and hackers will still find a way to get in because that's what they do. When you build up a wall, they find creative ways to try and get around the wall. That's just what happens. Viruses do the exact same thing. When you make a, vi- a vaccine, they find ways to mutate so that way they can still survive in the world of vaccines. That's what happens. We need to learn to deal with it and live with it. Well, it's all academic because... Um uh, we're all going to die in nine years anyway from climate change. There's no vaccine. <laughs> that is true. So, that is true. Well, I tell you what, though. Have you seen the headlines? There, are, there are blizzards in Hawaii right now. I mean, come on, man. We we've gone the last week here in the state of Kansas with 80 degree weather, while Hawaii's getting a blizzard. I mean, give me a break. I heard that on the news this morning. I like to fill out my truck. <laughs> Blizzard in Now you know things are getting real. Like, the, the, the stuff's about to happen here. Now, uh, when you look at it, it's really the top of the mountains over 10,000 feet, which always happen up there. They're, yeah. But they're getting massive amounts of rain on the islands, and then the top of the peaks of the mountains are getting these crazy blizzards. So they're getting storms. But while we're sitting here in 80-degree weather, I see a headline about snow and blizzards in Hawaii. I was ready to, like, go outside and wait for, uh, for the clouds to part yeah isn't that something that's just crazy man in the you know a blizzard in the pacific ocean come on i'm I'm telling you now again like that doesn't prove global warming in any way shape or form because obviously a snow blizzard is not global warming but it does show climate change that has happened all throughout the times and times are changing we're in the middle of some kind of weird transition and some kind of change where the climates are moving around we've had not a winter in any way shape or form here in kansas and we just have to realize that things are changing the what we're changing to i don't know but whatever it is let's start adapting to it and making it actually happen sean i appreciate it my friend i gotta take a break here but it's always good to talk to you and have a wonderful weekend and appreciate the phone call. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I'm telling you, blizzards in Hawaii and 80 degrees in Kansas in the in the beginning of December. Something's not right here. I think something's about to happen. Just throwing it out there. Got to take a break. Wrapping up hour number one. It's Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. With the AARP Weathers, the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. You can also find them on their social media as well and follow them for all the fun information they have on there. Mary's back on the line with us today. Mary, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. How about you? Hey, we are doing fantastic and hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It is Obviously, that's a nice uh, limbo in between Thanksgiving and Christmas right now. The online shopping, the going out and purchasing things, that is in full swing right now, which means, as you've talked about uh, before, we need to be aware of all those holiday scams that are going on right now. 
Yes, exactly. No matter where you are in your shopping experience, you know, we know a lot of people have have already been working on their holiday shopping for months now. Um, But but as the rest of us gear up toward um, Christmas and the holidays, um, just want to make sure that people are just, you know, paying attention and being aware of where their information is going and, and who they're around when they're sharing it and all that kind of thing. Because during the 2020 holiday season last year, there were losses of more than $53 million to scammers. Oh so, And we know that it's probably going to be more this year because um, they're out there in full force and people are kind of panicking about, it, about getting merchandise because of the supply uh, chain. So we want to make sure that as you go out there and shop, you are taking the precautions that you need to stay safe and keep your money and your personal information um, for yourself. No one else. Yeah, that is a (laughs) lot of money, $53 million. And talk about, remind people about what to look forward to as some of these scams that are out there. I mean, we have the gift card scams. We have the the nonprofit scams with the volunteer scams. I mean, there are so many different ways they try to get you this year. Exactly. And, and it really involves paying attention and being careful. So here's some of the ways that, that the scammers are going to try to connect with you. First, it's going to be through emails. They're going to send you an email. Hey, this, this item is about to be gone. You know, there's only, there's only 20 left. So if you need it, you better get it now. And, and in your haste to, to get that item, you're probably not going to think about all the things that you need to do to stay safe, like not clicking on links that you don't know where they go to, um, providing information that shouldn't be given out to someone you don't know, that kind of thing. And then there are the untrustworthy websites they have that have ads and say, for example, I'm looking at my computer screen right now. I'm, I'm reading an article in the newspaper, and over at the side, there's an ad. You know, is it something I, I, I'm interested in? Oh, it's giving me a great deal. Click on it. Well, be careful when you do that because you might go to an untrustworthy website where they're going to collect information from you that you don't want them to have. Yeah. Also, if you're on social media, you know, there's always um, promotions for vouchers and gift cards and contests and freebies and all kinds of things. So they are trying to get information from you through the contest. They're trying to offer you deals and um, ask you to get gift cards and all kinds of things. So we want to make sure people are aware of that. Social media ads, you know, a lot of times you'll see something, um, you'll order it, you'll give them your payment information, and you never receive the item. So um, that's one of the ways that people get you. And what you need to do is if they if they have a website, go to, directly to their website on your own, not through the social media channel. And then see if that offer is there on their website and it's valid. So be very careful. And the last thing is really online surveys. You know, a lot of us see those surveys and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to give them my opinion about that. But what they're really trying to do is steal some personal information from you. They're going to get you um, sharing information about yourself that that they can use against you. So beware of those five things as as you're out there shopping this holiday season. Boy, it seems like we need to be scared of the world because there's so much going on right now and so many different scams. I know it does seem like that, but really it's just, it's just common sense. You know, don't, 
Don't give that information to somebody you don't know. Know that when you see a good deal, it's it's probably too good to be true. Yeah. And and just always go to the source. You know, check sources out yourself. Don't don't rely on on a, somebody flashing a website or uh, a deal in front of you and clicking on it. Just be careful about those things. Yeah, like you said, just be aware and just use your senses. And just if something looks off, then just verify and double check before you do anything with those as well. I love it. We got just about exactly. a minute left here or so, but talk about what else is going on. I mean, obviously with the holidays, you guys have some uh, great events going on, some great webinars, some great entertainment. There's always something with the AARP. We have something for everything, everyone. And yeah, we have a we have actually a Kansas concert coming up on December the 10th um, on Friday night at 6.30. So that's on our Facebook and YouTube channels. So we hope people can join us for that. And then there's a lot of other things that you can um, take part in on, through our national site. And that's, you know, there's trivia games. Uh, we have a lot of movies coming up. So check out the events page on our aarp.org slash KS for Kansas. Um, that site has, under the events, you'll see trivia nights and, and holiday concerts and movies and dance parties and, and then other information, too, about scams and um, just all kinds of lectures. There's there's one coming up on December 15th called Christmas in America. And those are really uh, neat learning experiences that, that, um, that people can enjoy. So lots of things to do. Lots of things. And we hope everybody has a safe and happy holiday season. Lots of things to do with the AARP. You can always check them out. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. You can also find them and follow them on their social media. Mary, we always appreciate it. We'll do it again next week. Great. Thank you, Andy. To get your good time feels for the holiday. Tune in to KQAM starting noon Christmas Eve. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Happy Saturday morning, hour number two of the program. Moving right along, trying to wake you up, get you going for the day. That's what we do here on the KQAM Airwaves every single day. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, I would love to hear from you. We've covered a lot of ground. got a lot more to get to. Thanks again to Phil Martinez coming on the last hour. We have a lot more coming up this hour. Bottom of this hour, we have Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. He'll be joining to talk about some of the latest legal issues. So... Yeah, we got a lot to get to there. But I want to shift gears a little bit. And as we talk about some of the latest statewide issues, hopefully we still have him on the line here. Let me make sure we're still good. State Representative Blake Carpenter. Now, yes, uh, last week, if you were not paying attention to the Thanksgiving celebration, big. I mean, like world trending. Like tr- it's a record here in the state of Kansas. Says, we, you, I shouldn't say we, you made it happen. You called the legislature into session. They went into a one-day special session, passed a bill to help fight some of these vaccine mandates across the state of Kansas. And to talk about the details of that bill and what's going on here in the state, super excited. It's been way too long since we've had him on the show back with us here from the Derby area, State Representative Blake Carpenter. Blake, how are you, my friend? Oh, is he still there? Maybe. Let's try and get him back on the uh, on the. Uh, Line here. We he texted me right as we were about ready to go on and said that he lost uh, being able to hear us. So we'll see if we can't get him back on here. Um, we're going to hear this live. 
Nope, maybe that's him right there. All right, let's try and get him back on here. KQAM, who's this? Hey, hey there it is. There we go. We got Blake with us. Blake, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm not sure what happened there. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. No, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. You've been a busy guy. Uh, yeah, you know, but uh, that's the way life is sometimes. Yeah, that's so thanks for having me on. Well, yeah, it's great. Now, again, this is... This is a record of what we've done, a kind of a a new thing in the state. The people called upon the legislature to do a special session. We're tired of the vaccine mandates. We're tired of the shenanigans that are going on uh, with some of the, the vaccine mandates. Not just the mandates, but just the the struggle it was just to try and get an exemption or to live our life or to do our thing the way we need to. You guys, one day special session, in, out, you had the bill, you guys passed it, it worked, and the governor even signed it. I mean, I don't know the last time this has happened, Blake. Uh, it has never happened, Andy. So um, in the 160 years that we've been a state, uh, it's one of those deals that the legislature has never called its own special session. And in the 1970s, the legislature actually gave itself the power to call itself back in the Constitution, and the people voted on it, but they, they added that amendment in there. Uh, and there's only been, like, I think six or seven special sessions since the 1970s. And so this is the first time ever that we've called ourselves back. Before we called ourselves back, though, there was the House and the Senate had committee work. They were hearing from people. They were doing testimony and just listening to Kansans. And then they developed the language before we all got there to where it allowed us to be able to do it in one day. If we had to start from square one and do the entire process, it would have taken uh, a lot longer. And who knows what the end result would have looked like because we wouldn't have had all of our uh, eggs together before we moved in. So, yeah, there's a lot of preparatory was, uh, work there, but it sounds like it, it paid off with all that preparatory work. And I know there was a lot of anxious individuals across the state that wanted something done as soon as the announcement came from the federal government back in like August, September, when they wanted to do this, you know, the the the, uh, the federal contractor mandate and then the OSHA mandate for any employer that has 100 employees or more. I mean, there are a lot of people that said, uh-uh, this is unacceptable. We want something done now, but they hadn't written anything. So we had to kind of wait to see what the details were, weren't they? Yeah, you're exactly right. The OSHA mandate, employers were already going out and enforcing it, even though it wasn't a regulation yet. And so I think in a lot of cases, it tells you the type of people who are running these organizations and ultimately their politics, because I think a lot of them wanted to do that anyways. And the Biden speech gave them the authority and the approval to do it, even though there was not a written mandate yet. And so I, I noticed that your next guest will be the uh, attorney general. And so I'm sure he is going to talk a lot more about those cases and where we're at on those. And he's been doing a fantastic job for us here, here in the city of Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. He's been rocking it. And, and I'm looking forward to playing that interview here in just a little bit because he's been on top of this. Because now talk, before we get into what we can do next, talk about this bill. What are the details of this bill? Because it's good and I like it. Um, I don't know if we can go any further with it later on down the road or not, but talk about the details of this bill specifically. Yeah, so we wanted to pass a bill that we could argue in federal court if if we were sued by the Biden administration. And so what this bill does is it takes the EEOC, which is the Equal 
Employment Opportunity Office, uh, I think is the how you pronounce that acronym. But anyway, so we took their language and what they the rulings that they had been issuing throughout these last several months on religious freedoms and medical waivers, and so we took the federal government's own language and we basically put it into our statute and expanded what a medical or a religious exemption waiver should look like. Additionally, um, because we did that, we, we uh, made it to where employers cannot seek um, pages worth of information on people's religion um, or their uh, religious beliefs because we had been seeing in a lot of cases that employers were asking for you to basically write a doctoral thesis on why you should deserve an exemption. And then at the end of the day, rejecting that exemption because they were never going to give you one anyway. And so the law that we passed made it to where it's it's a simple statement now. I'm filing for a religious exemption. Here's my John Hancock, and away you go. And if the employer does not honor that, then if that employer has less than 100 employees within their organization, then it's a $10,000 fine after it goes through a process. And then if if they also violated anybody and they have over 100 employees, then it's a $50,000 fine. And if we we also had heard stories of coercion where uh, employers were telling their employees, hey, if you do not do it by this date, then you're not, what was it? Um, You're not quitting your your self-resigning or whatever they were trying to so they couldn't even fire they were actually making people quit so that way they wouldn't have to play unemployment exactly and so we took that into effect as well and wow and we we made it to where if you are fired after trying to seek these types of exemptions whether it's religious or medical then you do now have access to unemployment the unemployment fund because they were seeking to not have those people they're putting people in a very difficult position it's you know either your livelihood and your job or your family and and so that was unacceptable so ultimately this bill should help a lot of folks uh keep their jobs and if the federal government comes knocking to try to sue or hey you have to force vaccinate your employees we have provisions in there now where they can point to the state statute and say hey we're following the state statute which follows federal law sure that's amazing. I mean, that's a that's a wonderful thing that we've done to protect that. It's sickening to me, and it tr- it's very troubling that a business would say, hey, you need to write this massive letter explaining why you want a religious or medical exemption and then just deny it at the end of the day anyways, because I've never seen a time when we're like, all right, we're going to first force you in order to work here to make a medical decision that we want you to, and if you don't want it, then you're not going to be able to qualify for this religious or medical exemption. I don't know that we've gone through a time like that before, and that's concerning that businesses weren't accepting those. Honestly, I don't know if we've gone through a time like this before with this kind of a president, honestly, uh, getting (laughs) all the way down into everybody's business with an edict that did not pass through Congress. So I I think that we are in some dangerous times, and ultimately, at the end of the day, if they have the authority to do that and try to make your own medical choices for you. What other choices are can they force upon us 
if yeah. we don't fight back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're talking with State Representative Blake Carpenter. Now, these uh, state or these uh, mandates in the vaccine mandates coming from the federal government, with both the federal contractors and the OSHA mandates, are being stalled in court. And OSHA has made the statement over the last week or so that they're not looking to expand their agency or work on enforcement opportunities right now because I'm pretty sure that they recognize the fact that they are unconstitutional and they're not going to go anywhere. So as of right now, knock on wood, there are no massive nationwide vaccine mandates. So we need to be aware right now, don't we, that if businesses are choosing to enforce this or actually set down some type of guideline or vaccine mandate, that's solely a decision coming from the business, not them playing, uh, well, I'm, it's out of my hands. It's the federal government telling me I have to do this, correct? You're absolutely right. And that goes back to my former, or that goes back to my previous comment where I said companies were wanting to do this and Biden gave them the excuse to do it. Yeah. And so if they're still out there perpetrating it and seeking to push it on their employees, it's not a mandate that's being pushed by the federal government at this point in time because all those mandates have been frozen. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's, it's then that comes into, okay, file for those exemptions, and if they don't honor those exemptions, then you can use the state law to help you. Yeah. Uh, on the And we're going to talk a little bit about it with uh, Derek Schmidt after the bottom of the hour, but on the private level, if there is still a businesses that are trying to enforce this and they do end up firing an individual who doesn't try to claim the religious or medical exemption but just says, I choose not to get this vaccine, and they get walked out the door, do you think that that's going to cause some legal issues? And do you think that there is a case for individual employees to win those cases? That's a great question. Um, yeah, if they if they don't file any of those items, then I I guess I would have to try to seek some legal counsel myself on that one um, because. Did they try to file it in federal court or do they file it in state court? There's a number of other questions there. I think that would have to be asked. Sure. Um, but ultimately, I think that they would still have access to that un- unemployment insurance they previously didn't have access to. Sure. Uh, that's at least good news. What's bothering me, and this is, like you said, the bill that you guys passed is a is an excellent bill. I think it's locked solid, and it would hold up in court if the federal government tried to come after us. In that, And I do like the idea of you guys uh, allowing the unemployment uh, opportunity for those that get walked out or fired. My concern is, is can we take it a step further and really just say, because right now the way I see this is now we have these vaccine mandates and we're saying you're allowed to do that. We're just going to find the quote unquote loophole by saying that we're going to file for a medical or religious exemption. Is there any way for us to take it a step further, not now, but down the road, the regular session coming up in a couple months here of saying you don't have the right to impose this at all? Period to where people could just openly choose without filing for a religious or medical exemption and just say, I don't want to get it. I'm not going to get it, and you can't force me to do so. Yeah, so I think you brought up a good point here, um, which I definitely want to hit on, which is by no means was this a perfect solution that we sure. passed right, exactly. here a few weeks ago. It, 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 is a, it just holds us over until we get to the regular session. There was a lot of representatives in Topeka that were saying, hey, you know, this isn't a perfect solution, but I'm going to vote for it because this is what we have today, and this gets people relief that they need. Yes. However, once we get to the regular session, it will be one of those deals where you will see, I think, a, a influx of these type of ideas of, you know, conscientious objections and 10th Amendment legislation and other things that we can start doing to, A, push back on the federal government and trying to um, increase state sovereignty, mm-hmm. and then also things that we can do to try to increase the individual freedom that employees currently 
or well, individual freedom that employees would be able to then use, whether they're working for somebody or not. Yeah, well, that's a great point. And I, I mean, you and I are both kind of the eternal optimists here. We always see the opportunity that is and what can be done to take. I mean, you've done it obviously with the Second Amendment issues and other issues here in the state of always finding uh, the new way to try and build up those defense walls. And mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity for us as a state, like you said, to try and bring back some individual state sovereignty here against the federal government. So even if the OSHA mandates come back, even if the uh, federal contractor mandates come back in some way, shape, or form, we have a few more protections at the statewide level. So there is opportunity for growth here. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, it will just depend on how the session goes and what creative solutions we can write. As a legislator, we look at other states and what they're doing. And as a matter of fact, the the provisions of the health care waiver and the uh, religious exemption waiver, a lot of that language basically came from Florida. So what we do is we all kind of work together in our own way. We write things a little bit differently, but we look at what other states are doing. And so we're not the only state that's having this problem, obviously. Yeah. So as we move forward into this next legislative session, we're going to see other proposals by other states. And some of those proposals will be really good and well thought out, and other ones not so much. And so we don't have to reinvent the wheel once we get into session. Sure. And we can we can take some of those ideas and implement them. And so I think that it's it'll be interesting to see how the water rises in these various states and what kind of policies we all end up passing. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about State Representative Blake Carpenter from the Derby area. Let's take a break real quick. 21 minutes past the hour. When we come back, you and I, we're both on the board for the Kansas State Rifle Association. A lot of uh, Second Amendment issues popping up over the last week or so that I find kind of interesting that I want to pick your brain on and we can have some fun with that. How's that sound? Sounds good, sir. Hey, cool. Let's take a break real quick. 21 minutes past the hour. Plus, I want to get your phone calls and thoughts as well at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Just to let you know, starting on Monday, and we're going to do this next Saturday as well here on Candace Talk, the, the Big Talker, KQAM, we're getting you set for the holiday season, trying to get you in the mood. We're going to give away a car. I know. But here's the thing. We're going to give away a car, but you're not going to be allowed to keep it. I know, right? What do you? You're like Andy. What are you talking about here? No, I have not started the adult beverages this early in the morning. Uh, no, we're starting a new promotion. Uh, start of the new year. We want to give away a car and give it to somebody less fortunate in the community uh, by you winning the car and giving it away. And we're going to give it away to the St. Anthony's Family Shelters. So, starting during the morning show with John Wright in the morning from six to eight a.m. Monday through Friday, and then starting with my show next Saturday, we're going to get you qualified. We're going to get you potentially to win the car. It's going to be updated. It's going to be wrapped. It's going to look really cool. And we're going to give it away to a veteran here in the community. And it's brought to you by the Catholic Charities of Wichita, Autotech, Midwest Rap Company, Maze Motors, and, of course, right, us right here on the Big Talker KQAM. So starting on Monday, don't call in now to get registered. Starting on Monday, we're going to give away uh, and at least start getting you registered to give away that car that we're going to give away to a great veteran in the community. We'll do uh, more information on that here in just a little bit. It's the Big Talker KQM. Stay here. Six minutes past the hour. I'm telling you, that's the way Christmas music's supposed to sound. Let me tell you, right? Welcome back into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQA. I, Blake, I know you're a big fan of the rock and roll Christmas, right? 
You know, actually, I, my wife just introduced me to a Sabaton song. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> this last week, so and I've I've been enjoying it. It's the last stand, so yeah, I've been enjoying that one. So uh, that's, that's usually not that's on my that's usually outside of my wheelhouse, but. I've been enjoying it. So. That's outstanding. I love it. We're talking with State Representative Blake Carpenter. we got just about th- two or three minutes here. But real quick, i got to get your thoughts on this Alec Baldwin shooting that happened on the set of Rust. He did a 60 Minutes interview. Now, I've not heard the entire interview. I watched about the first 15 minutes of it. But the teaser promo that they're not promoting outside of the actual teaser right now, unless you actually watch the entire thing, he says this. I think the big question, and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? You've described it as a one in a trillion shot, and the gun was in your hand. How do you come to terms with that? It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? Um... Now, Blake, I mean, you and I are on the board for the Kansas State Rifle Association. We're around Second Amendment issues. We're around firearms. He never pulled the trigger, but yet somehow two people got shot and one of them died. What the heck happened here, Blake? You know, I got to tell you, um, I've held a lot of guns in my life, (laughs) and uh, not once has a gun that I've been pointing in an outward direction gone off in my hands just because it wanted to. Um, I think we all know that you have to pull a trigger in order for the firearm. If if a firearm goes off without you pulling the trigger, then the manufacturer has a lot of really big issues that's going to come down on them. And that's just that's just how they make guns. So I, I think he's trying to set himself up a defense if they do try to come after him for pressing, if they try to press charges. Yeah, I have to agree. From legal experts that have made comments about the response to that 60 Minutes interview, they said they he didn't do himself any favors. Obviously, making that a comment of not pulling the trigger is ridiculous. He played the sob story of how he just loves movies and how he's never going to shoot a movie with guns in it again. And uh, I, I don't think it helped him in any way, shape, or form. And anybody with common sense that has ever used a firearm uh, is just shaking their head saying, wow, this guy has really lost it. Right out of time, my friend, Blake Carpenter, State Representative. Always great to talk to you, my friend. If I don't talk to you beforehand, Merry Christmas to you, but it's great to get you on the show. we got to do it again soon. Hey, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, always great. We're going to do it again here real soon. That's State Representative Blake Carpenter. When we come back, got to take a bottom-of-the-hour break. we got some calls on the line. We'll get to you. Plus, we'll have our interview with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt talking about the legal issues as well, fighting this COVID-19 vaccine stuff and more. Lots more coming up here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. 
Always love chatting with you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Again, thanks to Blake Carpenter, State Representative, coming on the program there. Always great to chat with him on all the latest. I'm telling you, Big, you guys made that happen, that legislative session. You did. I don't know if you remember or not, two days of hearings in Topeka of a legislative special committee listening to your your thoughts, your concerns, your troubles, your anger about these vaccine mandates. And whether you get the vaccine or not, it's not the point. It's not the point. It's the principle of whether they're telling you you can as an option or that you must in order to function in society. There's a big difference there. They heard you and they built their legislation, that bill, specifically on what you did in your testifying and your thoughts. That's huge. That's government working for you. That is, it. We don't get to say that very often, do we? We don't get to say that government actually worked for us and did what we wanted it to do, and they made it happen, and the governor even signed it. Now, she signed it because she's desperate and pathetic, and she thinks that she, that's going to win her over for a new election because that all of a sudden she's hearing your voice after abusing you for the last year and a half. So I find that kind of cute, but uh, she did sign it, so we'll give her credit for it. She signed the bill. Thank you, Governor Kelly, for signing the bill and making sure that we don't have any vaccine mandates here in the state and that business businesses again have to abide by religious and medical exemptions no we don't have to write a letter no we don't have to verify it i could change religion just like that be like i all of a sudden i am amish and i am not going to get any vaccine that you tell me to get i don't have to validate it to you it doesn't matter now again i don't like the fact that we still pretty much say well you know you can do it we just found a loophole quote unquote it's not a loophole if it's really a religious or medical exemption, but it just it's almost like that way. So we need to take it a step further, but at the same time, it's done a lot of really great stuff for us, and we need to keep on that track. So just remember, you did that. We talk about activism. We talk about speaking out uh, for the voice reason. What do we say? Speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. Guess what? You did that. And in the state of Kansas, you guys rocked it, baby. So congrats on that one. That's a big win. And we have more fights to do. But we are winning. The vaccine mandates at the federal level, the federal contractors and the OSHA mandates are in court and being stopped. We put up a wall here in Kansas. Now it's up to the businesses to feel that pressure as well. Because uh, Blake's absolutely right. Right now it comes down to many businesses that have those political mindsets that just gave them an excuse by Biden saying it without even anything written just had the owners have an excuse to where they could implement it on their private business and then pawn it off and say, well, it's not me. I'm just feeling the pressure from the government. But now they don't have that. So it's time for you to continue to fight. Now you have to fight the employer so that way they don't try to implement this garbage as well. We got uh, our interview with uh, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. We'll get to here in just a second. He talks about all that and more on the legal side of it. So I really want to get to that one. But first, let's go to the phones here, shall we? In line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Maybe going once, going twice. All right. Give us a call back. I want to hear from you. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Let's uh, get our interview with Derek Schmidt. We'll take some more phone calls here in just a minute. We sat down with him just a couple of days ago talking about the latest legal issues here in the state of Kansas, and this is what he had to say. Derek, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, It's always great to chat with you. Let's start off with some of the fun legal issues right now. We had the COVID-19 vaccine mandates from OSHA, their their guidelines, their policy released just a few weeks ago, immediately was stopped by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, looking at that one, seeing if it's constitutional. We just got word a week or so ago that OSHA is saying that they're not working to expand themselves, not working to enforce this. This is good news. Do you think that the courts are going to shut this one down? 
I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, the state of play right now, Andy, is that there is an injunction, a stay in place. The federal courts have told OSHA, you may not enforce this rule, which sort of made me laugh then when OSHA announced, well, we're not going to enforce the rule. Well, it's not like they had much choice. They were under a court order to stop. That's the current state of play. OSHA's fighting back. They've objected to the stay. They've asked that it be dissolved and that they be allowed to proceed. Uh, the court's in the process of hearing briefing, and they'll hear argument on that. I'm pretty optimistic. I really think this rule is unlawful. I think it's a, a vast overreach by OSHA and the Biden administration. I think it exceeds the power Congress has given to them by law, and I think the courts are going to see through that and block it. So I'm hopeful, but we still have to fight the fight. Yeah, that is very encouraging, at least that it's it's being shut down and being stopped. I know that you were one of the first attorney generals in the country to jump on board with some of this litigation against the OSHA mandate, but also against just the federal contractors one, because, uh, Attorney, this has been a huge issue in the state of Kansas, especially here in the Wichita area with a lot of the aviation industry and those uh, those guys building the airplanes. I mean, these federal quote-unquote contractors like Spirit and, and Textron and some of these other companies are already feeling the grunt of these uh, vaccine mandates coming down on the workers that just don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah, it's terribly unfair, especially around the holidays, but anytime it's terribly unfair federal government is saying to folks that at the end of the day, if you don't choose to get vaccinated, if you don't make the health care decision for yourself uh, that the president of the United States prefers, then we're not going to allow you to keep your job. Now, it's indirect. They're not, you know, the federal government's not issuing a firing order, but it's saying to the employers, you're going to lose all your federal contracts if you don't yourself get rid of these unvaccinated employees. So it, it, it's unfair. It's not reasonable. And we think it's terribly illegal as well. We filed a lawsuit challenging that federal mandate as well. It's gotten less attention recently, but it is moving along. And I'll spare you all the down in the weeds detail, but suffice it to say that December 3rd is a magic date for that. We have a hearing in front of the judge in South, uh, South Georgia uh, on our lawsuit. That's where we filed. Uh, on December 3rd, and I'm hopeful that very soon after that hearing, the court will give us some guidance on whether it, too, will issue a preliminary injunction putting that uh, federal contractor mandate on hold while we continue to under litigate its underlying legality, just like a different court has put the OSHA mandate on hold while we litigate its underlying uh, legality. So, you know, the Biden administration really fired a scattergun uh, approach back in uh, September when it announced these mandates. There's not one mandate. There's a whole bunch of different federal mandates, and we're trying to knock them down one at a time uh, to protect Kansas workers. Well, it's really good news because you're right. Not a lot of it gets a lot of attention, and there are some people that don't realize that there's multiple facets here with the OSHA mandates, with the federal employee and federal contractor mandates, and then all these other little things. They don't realize that they're all separate deals that they think that's all just one big lump sum deal and it's not because it's affecting multiple different industries and we need to be aware of that that's absolutely right andy the third one that we're really focused on that's, that's different affects a different group of kansans is the so-called cms mandate or the healthcare worker mandate yeah. uh, that's a big deal everywhere but it's a huge deal in many of our, our more uh, rural communities smaller communities that already were substantially understaffed because they can't find people to work uh, in the nursing facilities, in the small hospitals, they can't find nurses, they can't find others. Uh, and if if they lose literally just another two or three nurses in a facility, it will put them out of business. Wow. And once some of those facilities are gone, they're not coming back because the economics are already marginal. And what's that mean? Uh, it means that there are dozens or more Kansans, not, not just healthcare workers, but other Kansans, who rely on those facilities to care for them in their home communities. 
uh, that won't have that option. It, it has implications for the long-term survivability and health for some of these small communities. It's a big, big deal. I mean, it's a frontal assault by the Biden administration on rural America, and we're fighting back on that one as well. Yeah, that's that's huge. We're talking with Attorney General Derek Schmidt for the state of Kansas. Uh, do you think, and by the way, the, the state legislature did pass their legislation, and it really just confirm that businesses have to accept different medical or religious exemptions for these mandates. I know the governor did sign that one, but that is new legislation that is here in the state of Kansas. It's a good first step. Do you think that would be challenged in any way, shape, or form, or is that at least some type of uh, foundation that we can work upon to grow from? Well, the legislature did really good work here, and it did it despite resistance from the governor. I mean, they had to call themselves into special session for the first time in state history because when they asked the governor to call them back, she just sat on her hands and did nothing. So they brought themselves back. Uh, they adopted legislation, got done in a single day, adopted legislation that clarifies the religious exemption, basically says if you're entitled to a religious exemption from a vaccine mandate, and pretty much everybody is, your employer doesn't get to quiz you about how sincere your religious beliefs are. I mean, think about that. That's where we've been uh, with some public and private employers. I mean, literally, it's like interrogatories that they've served on their employees. Now, tell us how long you believe this way and why your faith uh, justifies the exemption. And I actually looked at a, an application this morning from a public employer that, that uh, you know, they want you to provide documentation of the sincerity of your faith. I mean, unbelievable. Wow. Uh, you know, that that's where we were. So the legislature's fixed all that and said, no, 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 it's enough. If an employee says, I have a sincerely held religious belief that prevents me from accepting this vaccine, that's it. The employer doesn't get to look behind the curtain and try to find proof of, of somebody's faith. And so, you know, I think that's going to make real progress um, in, in uh, terms of protecting religious liberty, but also protecting jobs for many Kansas uh, employees. Uh, that's the law today. It has entered into force, uh, and uh, it applies to every Kansas employer, public or private, uh, and protects every Kansas employee yeah. that's under a vaccine mandate. And uh, will it be challenged? Maybe everything's challenged these days, but I really think it's on, on solid ground, and I, I appreciate the legislature for doing that. Yeah, that is good news. And I always said that it's a good first step because right now, to me, I mean, at least we have that now to where we don't have to continuously battle the companies. But the other lawsuits that you're involved with and that we're involved in nationwide are still extremely important because now while we have the exemption, to me, it's almost like, all right, well, now you still have the right to try to enforce it, but we just found a loophole and, you know, found a loophole through the red tape to get through and not do it. These still need to be challenged legally to say, do you have the right to even try to impose this in the first place? Yeah, make no mistake about it, Andy. What needs to happen here is the courts need to strike down these federal mandates as unlawful, which is what we've asked the courts to do. That is the real substantive bottom line fix for all of these problems that have been created uh, by this overreaching federal regulation. And so we're going to press ahead. Uh, people can rest easy on that. We're going to fight to the end on that. I'm optimistic, uh, cautiously so, but optimistic. And if we're able to succeed in one, two, or all three of these lawsuits, it'll provide tremendous relief for a lot of Kansans, not just employees, although certainly employees, uh, but also many employers that are caught in the middle and really don't want to be in this position of being the Biden administration's police force on the front lines uh, trying to impose these mandates. So 
Big deal. Big deal. Absolutely. We're talking with Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about tax policy. Obviously, we have the reconciliation bill at the federal level right now. We have the uh, we still have the Build Back Better plan. We have the infrastructure plan. There's a lot of money dealings going on in Washington D.C. A lot of it even included some of like the IRS expansion to try and control our local bank accounts and try and monitor what the heck we're doing. But it also included, in some way, shape, or form, them trying to centralize tax policy away from the states and to the federal government doesn't surprise me with this current administration but it's happening what's the latest there because i know you're trying to work on stopping that one as well yeah i really appreciate your focus on that Andy, because we've had a little bit of trouble getting attention on this this is a big big thing for the state of kansas congress passed a law the president signed it uh, into law last march that has a provision buried in this enormous bill that essentially tries to commandeer state tax policy. It says to states that take any federal COVID money, and by the way, that's all of them. So I mean, even though it you know, technically looks like there's discretion, there's not. Every single state got this COVID relief. And it says if you got the COVID relief, essentially you can't reduce your state taxes, state taxes. Now, the way it says that is you can't use the federal money to directly or indirectly, that's the magic phrase, um, pay the cost of reducing state tax revenues. But the problem with that is the money's fungible. So once you put that federal money in the state kitty, uh, it, it, of course it's used to offset any reduction in state tax revenues. We asked for clarification on that. The Treasury Secretary said, not going to tell you. So we filed a federal lawsuit and asked a federal judge to tell us. And just this last week, the judge did tell us and said very clearly, federal government can't do that. It can't have this sort of guise that it uses to... to uh, cover up what's really going on here, which is the Biden administration trying to tell states like Kansas, you can't set your own state tax policy. That's illegal. It's currently enjoined by federal court order, and I'm optimistic that's going to stick to the end. That's just, that is so far beyond the pale, it's almost inconceivable. And it's a big deal for Kansas, Andy, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, remember the legislature this last year finally was able to override Governor Kelly's veto and pass through to Kansans the benefits of the Trump-era tax cuts. Uh, that would have been unlawful under this federal provision, the way the federal administration was interpreting it. And likewise, we're now discussing trying to provide food sales tax relief. That would be unlawful because it reduces state revenues under uh, the way the Biden administration set this up. So us winning this court case, big deal allows us to keep governing ourselves in Kansas. That is a really big deal, but it's just mind-boggling that they would actually try to take it that far and say, all right, you've accepted some federal money now. You're not allowed to set your own tax policy and either raise it or lower it. You just, you can't be doing it. can't be lowering taxes for the people in the state of Kansas or elsewhere across the country because, well, you're accepting federal money, so you just need to do what we tell you to do. That's insane to me. It really is. Insane's a good word for it. I tell you what, uh, you know, just because the federal government is out of control in its fiscal policy doesn't mean they get to, uh, you know, dictate to Kansas how we set our fiscal policy. Um, and and we're, we'll stand up for that all day long, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit to some issues that continuously uh, bother individuals. I get these calls all the time still, and they look like they're local numbers. I get 316 Wichita numbers. I get Hutchinson and Kansas City numbers calling me, looking like it's some you know good old buddy old pal wanting to talk with me. And then I get these ridiculous, absurd robocalls on my phone. I know you guys have been working on this for a while, but is there any way to stop them from at least even just looking like they're a local number to entice us to answer the phones? Yeah, I know that this is uh, you know going to make a couple people chuckle as they listen to this, but it really is true we're making progress. So here's what's going on. At the end of the day, this used to be all a law enforcement issue. Bad guy makes these illegal calls, and 
uh, you know, you report it to law enforcement, to the state, the AG's office. We go try to track them down and enforce the law that says they're not supposed to do it. What's happened is with the explosion in, in technology that's allowed this, this real explosion in the number of robocalls, automatically generated calls, the number of these calls has just gone through the roof. I mean, it's gone from, you know, tens of thousands a day 20 years ago to literally billions per month now. And it's because these calls are basically free. Uh, anybody with auto dial technology who sets up in Kazakhstan can make literally, you know, free calls into, you know, your cell phone or your living room. And so the volume's gone way up because that's how these guys make money is it's a volume business, the bad guys. So it's a technologically enabled problem. It's going to require a technological solution. There's no way we're ever going to be able to chase down billions of these illegal calls uh, after the fact. So what our strategy has been to work with the telecommunications companies to try to do the types of things, either in regulation or, or otherwise, that enable them to deploy better call blocking and call identification technology. Because hmm. to your point... If, if you can have confidence that the number that appears on your caller ID really is the number the call's coming from as opposed to a bogus one or a spoofed one or a fake one that's designed to get you to answer the phone, uh, then, you know, it's relatively simple for the technology to block those calls, the ones you don't want. So that's what we've been trying to do. We made a lot of progress the last two years. Congress actually enacted some federal law called STIR-SHAKEN. It's an acronym that improves call authentication to improve the call blocking technology. Now the bad guys, because that avenue is being shut down on them, they're looking for a different loophole in the technology that lets this happen. And that's what's going on now is we've now identified that loophole and said to the federal regulators, hey, help us plug that one too. It's like squeezing the tube of toothpaste, keeps popping up somewhere else. But eventually, we're going to get our hands around the whole thing. Yeah, it's unfortunate because every time you try and actually, you know, put something in place, some kind of firewall, they always find some kind of loophole, some kind of weird place to get around it. And it's an it's an ever-going battle, but it sounds like we're making some traction on it. And we're not going to give up on it. Look, I know it's pain in everybody's neck, and it seems like it's been going on forever. The reality is this has been a problem really not that long, maybe 15 years max, because that's when the technology really enabled this. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to come out the other side of this in the foreseeable future, but it, it's going to take a little while. Sure. I love it. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, lots the, that you guys are working on. We always appreciate your time and all the hard work you guys are doing, because as we mentioned, all of these issues right now are serious issues that affect us really on a daily basis. And I know that a lot of people out there are really frustrated with, with what's going on. So thank you for your time and thank you for your fight. And we love hearing from you. Thank you, Andy. Great to be on. There it is. That's the Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt. Always appreciate his time very much. Always lots of great information. And good golly, talk about the lawsuits going on, trying to fight for your rights. That's what it's all about right there. Blocking the federal government, taking things to court, and trying to put up that, again, that buffer here in the state of Kansas. We'll take a break. we got lots more to get to wrapping up the program today for Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Just looked at the clock and realized what time it was. We're already out of time. Good golly. It goes by way too fast here on the program. 
faster than what I'd like it to once in a while. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. Uh, when we come back next week, we got lots more to get to. We'll get some more individuals on talking about these vaccine mandates here in the state, the health freedom that we continue to fight for. Maybe we'll try and get Kansans for health freedom back on the program to get their update. Are we in a good position and what's the next step to take here in the state? We have Omicron. Is it going to reach the state of Kansas? That's the big question, isn't it? So we'll touch on that. Plus, make sure to stay tuned in during the week for The Voice of Reason, your national broadcast of The Voice of Reason at 4 p.m. every single day right here on KQAM. With all of our great programming, Dan Bongino, killing it in the middle of the day. Brian Kilmeade, rocking it in the mornings. John Wright, even earlier in the morning, get you set for the day. Of course, your Dave Ramsey and Joe Pags, all of it. Uh, speaking of Joe Pags, we have Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up here right around the corner after the top of the hour. But until then... We have a couple more episodes of Candace Talk before Christmas. We have a regular episode next week, the week prior, or the next week, two weeks from now. We'll have our special Christmas episode here on the show. The following week is Christmas Day, and we will not have a show because we'll be doing our rocking 36 hours of Christmas music right here on KQAM. That'll start at noon on Christmas Eve, so enjoy that. And I can't believe it's here already. If you have not done your Christmas shopping, I highly recommend that you get that done soon because... Things are going to be off the shelf here relatively soon with all the uh, supply shortages going on in the market. Thanks again, Joe Biden. Which means I think we need to wrap up this program saying, let's go, Brandon. Back at it on Monday with The Voice Reason. Until then, have a great weekend. I'm Andy Hoosier. It's Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker KQAM.